blessing to be together today, to come to the text we're looking at uh, today. If you're visiting with us, we're working through um, Paul's letter to the Galatians. In it, Paul is defending the one true gospel of Jesus Christ. Rival teachers have uh, come into the church in Galatia and are teaching uh, them that they need more than the gospel, more than Christ crucified to be accepted by God. To be a part of God's family, they need to be circumcised and to obey the Mosaic covenant. That's what the rival teachers are teaching them. And the Galatians are being led astray. This is not the gospel. Paul has been confronting it with the truth, with the truth that we are justified by faith and not by works. And today we come to a wonderful truth in this letter. We're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. So go ahead and turn there. And in the text, Paul points to Abraham and how we are truly brought into the blessing and family of Abraham. And so if you're able, go ahead and stand and follow along as I read Galatians 3, beginning with verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Let's pray. Our Father, we're so grateful that we can be here today. We're so grateful that we can gather with others who love you, who long to know you, who long to be with you. We pray that you would help us. We're grateful for your word. Your word is truth, and by it we are guided to you. So we ask that you'd help us in that today. We'd be led to you today, Father. In Christ's name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Now, to begin with here, the primary point that Paul's making is clear. Only those who have the faith of Abraham enjoy the blessing of Abraham. And that's going to be the main direction of the sermon today, and so let's work through it. Verse 6, just as Abraham believed God... And it was counted to him as righteousness. So what is Paul saying? Abraham's right standing before God was a result of faith. He trusted in God. The verse begins with the words, just as. Paul is trying to help these Galatians see what he is teaching them. The justification and right standing before God that is theirs by faith is not some new teaching. He points all the way back to Abraham as the example, and that's important. Because those rival teachers, the Judaizers, certainly have pointed to Abraham and circumcision to make their case. 
Abraham was the father of the Jewish people. So evidence from him would be important as he's debating with these rival teachers. As we consider the case Paul is making, he's in, he's in no way discounting Abraham's obedience. We're going to get to that. But the emphasis is on his faith because it is his faith and that alone that Scripture says led to him being counted righteous. The statement in verse 6 is quoting Genesis 15, verse 6. In Genesis 15, Abraham, who was married to Sarah, was wondering if his only heir would be his servant, Eliezer. In Genesis 15, 1 through 5, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. The Lord promised Abraham that his offspring would be as numerous as the stars of heaven. Now imagine that. He's childless and he is getting old. And the Lord says to him, you will have offspring that outnumber the stars of the sky. Now, how did Abraham respond to that? As crazy as it must have, or at least could have sounded, how does he respond to that? Well, verse 6 is quoting how he responds. He believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Abraham believed in what the Lord said to him, as difficult as that may have been. Now, Paul's saying to the Galatians here in Galatians 3, notice that story. Notice that text. Abraham didn't perform any astounding works for God, but trusted in Him. That's all he did. He believed God when God told him what would happen. Not only that, but the most significant part of Genesis 15 is the covenant made by God with Abraham following that statement. In Genesis 15, the Lord tells him that his descendants will be countless, tells Abraham he will possess the land of the Chaldeans, and Abraham asks him how he will know that he will possess it. Abraham's questioning him, how am I going to know that, that I'm going to possess or my offspring are going to possess that land. He wants assurance and the Lord gives him covenant. In Genesis 15, beginning with verse 9, he said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half, and when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. 
As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners at a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down, it was dark, behold, and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the river, to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Now, the Lord in this text has Abram bring these animals, they're cut in half, they're divided, and the Lord, represented by this flaming torch that goes through, passes through the animals alone. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means everything for us and for Abram. It means that the covenant made by God would be fulfilled by God alone. Because when covenants were made in that culture, what usually would happen would be both participants to the covenant would pass through these animals that were cut in two, and it was as if they were saying, may it be so to me if I break this covenant with you. And God knows Abraham cannot say that and cannot do that. Abraham cannot fulfill this covenant. No one could except God alone. And so God alone goes through on behalf of himself and of Abraham in fulfilling the covenant. And so the focus is entirely on the work of the Lord and the trust, the faith of Abraham. In this chapter, righteousness is counted. It is reckoned. It is credited to Abraham even though he doesn't belong to him. It is, it, or even though it doesn't belong to him, it is credited righteousness. And we need to know this for our own faith. It's as true of Abraham as it is ever true of us. Righteousness was a gift to Abraham. He believed and it was counted righteous to him, and it is a gift for us. In fact, in fact Paul writes to the Romans in Romans 4, 2 through 5, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Faith, belief, trust in God is counted, is credited as righteousness. Now that is an incredible thought. 
It unites us to Christ who is our righteousness. Just imagine for a moment, okay? Imagine meeting a billionaire. And this billionaire shows incredible kindness to you. You've done nothing to help him out or her out. You simply come into a relationship with them and for some reason... They love you. And so they tell you, I'm going to do something for you, something for us. What's mine is yours. I've put your name on my account. My bank account is in our names. Now, what would that mean? It would mean that you're a billionaire. No matter what you acted like after that, you're a billionaire. It wouldn't matter what your job was. It wouldn't matter where you lived. It wouldn't matter one bit what you could possibly do to pay them back. You would be a billionaire. And you wouldn't dare think, look what I've done. Or look what I've earned. You, you know that money didn't come from you. It was graced to you. It was credited to your account. And so it is with Christ and His righteousness. It is credited to your account. It is graced to you. God has written your name on Christ's account. Paul goes on, verse 7, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Those who have the faith of Abraham are identified as the children of Abraham. The faith of Abraham. What is required to be a part of Abraham's family, to be counted as his sons? It's not circumcision or the other works of the law. Those who belong to Abraham's family believe just as Abraham believed. Listen, Abraham lived before the law was given. It was his faith. And his faith alone is what brought about credited righteousness. And those who believe as he did, Paul is saying, are his sons, his heirs. And therefore, they receive the inheritance promised to him. You, if you're in Christ, stand to inherit the promise to Abraham. So let's consider that for a bit. Because when I say those who have the faith of Abraham are identified as the children of Abraham, we might get a little bit nervous because who has the faith of Abraham? And when we're tempted to say that or think that, we're likely remembering a certain story about Abraham from Genesis 22. And it's incredible. It's an incredible story. For those who may not quite know, it, it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize it. But we've got to get to Genesis 2. The Lord had told Abraham that through his offspring, the whole earth would be blessed. That's what Paul's referring to in our next verse, in verse 
8, and the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, and you shall all the nations be blessed. Through Abraham's own offspring, the whole earth will be blessed. That offspring will be Jesus. But to get there, Abraham needs actual offspring, because he has none. And so, in Genesis 16, Sarah says to Abraham, take my servant Hagar and have children through her. Now, this is not good. What's happening here? God makes a promise to Abraham, and Abraham believes him, and it's credited to him as righteousness. But then Abraham doesn't like the Lord's timeline. So he takes things into his own hands. And before we say, hey, it says Sarah did this, not Abraham, I assure you Abraham was very much involved if a baby was born. And so Hagar gets pregnant, has a baby, and names him Ishmael. And from this, there is conflict, not peace, not blessing. Then later in chapter 17, when Abraham is 100 years old and Sarah is 90 years old, the Lord visits Abraham and says to him that in the next year, Sarah will have a child. That's incredible, so incredible that Sarah laughs when she hears it. Abraham actually responds, shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred and a woman who is ninety? Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Just use, just, just go with my plan. But the Lord promises that they will have a son and they are to name him Isaac. And that's what happens. In Genesis 21, Isaac is born and there is joy. And then comes Genesis 22. What happens there? The Lord tells Abraham to take Isaac, his only son, with him up to the land of Moriah and to offer Isaac as an offering to the Lord, a burnt offering to the Lord. Now, that is a shocking thing to read. And what happens? It says that Early the next morning, Abraham arose, loads up the donkey, took the supplies, and his son Isaac, and two of his young men, and he heads up to where the Lord said. And on the third day, so imagine this, journeying that long, knowing what the Lord had asked of you. Abraham says to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And they take the wood and the fire and the knife and continue on, and Isaac says to his father, Dad, where is the lamb? I'll be honest, I cannot imagine getting that question from your son knowing what the Lord has asked. 
And Abraham replies, the Lord will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they get to the place, and sure enough, Abraham ties up Isaac and prepares himself and his son. Now, as awful as this is, we learn from Hebrews that Abraham at this point is thinking something like, maybe the Lord will raise him back to life. That's a big deal. He knows that God has promised that through Isaac, all people will be blessed. And that can't happen unless Isaac has children. Abraham raises the knife, and before he can lower it, the Lord calls out to him, stops him, and provides a ram for the sacrifice. Now, just as a side note and an arrow to exactly what Paul is talking about here in Galatians, it's a ram not a lamb, and it's a hint on that spot space that Isaac is not the offspring that's going to bless all nations, that there's another, there's a lamb actually coming that is the one who will bless all nations. But, but this act of faith by Abraham is incredible. It is incredible faith. And so we might read the words of Paul in Galatians and think, I don't know if this gives me hope at all because I don't think I have the faith of Abraham that I see in Galatians 22. And we have to remember, Abraham was human. And Abraham didn't have perfect faith. Yes, Genesis 22 is incredible. I cannot imagine doing what Abraham did. I cannot imagine. But Abraham is also the guy we find in Genesis 20. After the covenant God makes with him, Abraham does what? He goes to the territory of Gerar, and because he was afraid of what people would do to him, he says that Sarah is his sister. And what happens because he says that Sarah is his sister? They take Sarah to do what? Not good things. Think King Ahasuerus here. Abraham, who by the way has done this before, just gives up his wife to protect himself and likely her, but not in all ways. He's protecting his own life. Thankfully, this time with Abimelech, God intervenes and nothing happens to Sarah. But that's God's protection in a terrible situation. Not Abraham's faith there. And why do I focus on that? Because the last thing Paul is saying in Galatians is, you better have perfect faith that will slaughter your child. He's not saying that. You are a sinner. Abraham was a sinner. He did terrible things, and so do you, and so do I. We all stand guilty before God, but grace, grace upon grace upon grace upon grace, apart from grace, we are far from God. It is all 
grace, Abraham believed. The same Abraham who is in Genesis 20 and in Genesis 22 believed as a broken, sinful person is able to do. And God counted that as righteousness. And we believe as a broken, sinful person is able to do. And God mercifully and graciously counts it as righteousness. And we're welcomed into the promise. We are sons of Abraham who will receive the inheritance. It's wonderful and marvelous grace. The only hero of Abraham's story is God. The universal blessing that God gives to Abraham is secured through the gospel. And Gentiles receive the blessing when they are declared righteous through their faith in Jesus Christ. What, is, what does God say to Abraham in Genesis 12, 3? All peoples, all tribes on earth will be blessed through you. That's an arrow to Christ who welcomes and saves from all peoples, all tribes, and all tongues, Jews and Gentiles. And Paul's continuing to encourage these Galatians with the truth of the gospel. He's saying to them, God promised that all nations would be blessed. Then in Genesis 15 said that the blessing would come through faith. In verse 9. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Paul concludes here that all who believe enjoy the same blessing that the believing Abraham received. And what were the rival teachers saying? They're teaching that the Galatians needed to be circumcised to become part of Abraham's family and to receive that blessing, that inheritance and Paul says in Galatians 3, 7 and in 9 that they're wrong. The Galatians became part of the family of Abraham when they believed, just as Abraham did. And the Galatians enjoyed the blessing of Abraham when they believed, just as Abraham did. Now, there's intentional repetition here by Paul. He's emphasizing something. It is faith and faith alone that makes one a child of Abraham and allows them to receive the blessing of Abraham. Paul is saying it is all grace. It's all grace. There's nothing these Galatians could do to build upon what was credited to them in Christ. And there's nothing that we can do to build upon what is credited to us in Christ. It's amazing grace. Do we realize all that we have in this promise? The good news of the gospel, the one true gospel, tells us that we are justified by faith alone, through Christ alone. And that because we believe, because we believe in what Christ has done, the work that He accomplished through His life, His death, and resurrection, we are counted, we're credited with His righteousness. 
And think about that. The very righteousness of Christ, pure, spotless, and holy, is counted to you. Credited to your account. God says your name is on Christ's account now. Based on what? On grace. And grace alone. Romans 10.13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You sit in that statement for a moment. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I find incredible comfort in those words. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's grace. Grace that we can never, ever comprehend on this side of eternity. And it's that comfort from these words that I want to lead us into and through the Lord's Supper. In Genesis 12, the Lord promises blessing to Abraham and to his descendants, to his offspring. And we learn in the text today that we, through faith in Christ, are his descendants. That we're saved, rescued, and we're made a part of his covenant family. We will receive the inheritance promised to Abraham. promised to us. And it's all through Christ. Christ who came and lived the way that Abraham could not live. Christ who came and lived the life that we cannot live. Perfect. Obedient. Whose body was broken. Whose blood was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. It's not the obedience of Abraham that saves. It's surely not our obedience that saves. It's the obedience of Christ. And trust in Him alone. And knowing that that same one who lived perfectly was treated as a criminal, was treated like you and treated like me, was crucified, broken, Blood was poured out. Why? For the forgiveness of our sins. We remember what He did to accomplish this and we rejoice in the grace we have found in Christ alone. We've called on His name and He's made us His own. And so as you're dismissed to come and receive the bread and the cup and take it back to your seats. Let's rest in remembrance of all that we have in Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace, Lord. You're so good to us, Father. More than we could ever express. We pray that you'd help us. Help us to believe trust in you, 
to know that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from our sins. Saved from ourselves. Saved because of Christ. So we praise you, Jesus, for your life. We praise you for your death. And we praise you that you were raised, never to die again. And the hope that that brings to us. We love you and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.